0: This time, I would invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. This morning, we'll be studying verses 26 to 39. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 26. And when you get there, would you rise out of reverence for God's word? Hear the word of the Lord. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. This is the mighty word of God. You may be seated. <clears throat> Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like throwing your hands up in defeat? Have you ever wanted to say, enough is enough? I just can't do this anymore. The Christian life is so hard. There are so many rules, it seems. It goes against everything I used to think. It was so much easier. Before I became a Christian. Pursuing holiness is a drag. The Bible is so complicated and hard to understand. Church is boring. My life was so much better beforehand. So much easier when I could do whatever I wanted. There's so many other things I could be doing on a Sunday morning. Maybe I should just think about going back to my old life. I mean, I feel so tired. It's all too much. It would be easier just to give up, to stop running this race. Is it really worth it? In our passage this morning, from Hebrews chapter 10, we are going to see help for the weary Christian. As it's Mother's Day, I suppose we could title this even, Help? For the weary mother, or better, help for the weary Christian mother, perhaps. If you've ever found yourself asking these kinds of questions, today we're going to find some answers from God's Word. In our passage, we're going to see that God gives us two great motivations to hang in there, two great reasons to keep going. Two incentives not to give up in our Christian walk. Have you heard of the carrot and the stick? There are two ways to get a stubborn donkey moving. The one way is to lure him forward with the promise of a nice juicy carrot. The other way is to strike his rump with a stick. The stinging pain of that discipline pushes him forward. And so the carrot is the the symbol of the promised reward. The stick is the threat of punishment. It's the carrot and the stick. And we go through life experiencing many carrot and stick situations, don't we? Mother promises that I'll get a cookie if I'm a good little boy. That's the carrot. Because a carrot wouldn't, wouldn't motivate a little boy. But I'll go to my room if I'm not a good boy. That's the stick. Or my boss promises a promotion or a pay raise if I do a good job. Or I'll be fired if I don't. Or in the classroom, my teacher will give me a good st- a gold star if I do well on my test. Or an F if I don't study. The carrot and the stick. And in our passage this morning, the author of Hebrews is warning his readers against falling away from the Christian faith. That's the stick.
1: And he's also reminding
0: his readers about the great promise of reward that God has made. And that's the carrot. In verse 25, if you remember from a couple weeks ago, people have stopped coming to church. They have forsaken meeting together with other believers. And when that happens, when that becomes a habit, People fall away from the faith. It's inevitable. They give up. They go back to their old way of life. And for the people that Hebrews was writing to, that meant going back to Judaism. And in our passage, starting with verse 26, Hebrews is is going to tell them why they can't go back. Why we can't go back. And so what is help for the weary Christians? Well, we're going to look at three things this morning. What is help for the weary Christian? First of all, to know that God's wrath is real. Secondly, to know that God's reward is real. And thirdly, to know our identity in Christ is real. So to know that God's wrath is real, to know that God's reward is real, and to know that our identity in Christ is real. So let's look at the first section of our passage together, verses 26 to 31. Christian, you need to know that the wrath of God is real. Not just in coming to Christ originally, away way back, but also daily, today, in your daily Christian life, you need to know that God's wrath is real. You need to remember that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is not just an empty threat here. It's not a metaphor. God's wrath is a fury of fire, the Bible says that is surely going to consume his enemies. So verse 26, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. What does that mean? What does that mean to go on sinning deliberately? Well, that's obviously tied to what Hebrews has just been talking about previously, about forsaking Christian fellowship, not meeting together, not coming to church, which then leads to falling away from the truth, falling away from the faith, returning to sin, returning to your old ways, to your old life, turning your back on Jesus Christ. And so Hebrews says here, once you turn your back on Jesus Christ, there's no more sacrifice left. Once you turn your back on Jesus, you can never come back. There's no other sacrifice available for you. And just imagine for a moment how terrible that would be. How odious, how atrocious, how appalling, how odious, how dreadful it would be to know the Son of God the Word become flesh, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who died is the final sacrifice for sin and is alive forevermore, and you turn your back on Him? I'm sorry, but anyone who who does that deserves to go to hell. Without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ covering your sin, all that is left here is the fearful expectation of God's judgment. The fury of fire that will consume every one of his enemies, Hebrews says here. Verse 28. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has outraged the Spirit of grace? In essence, Hebrews is saying here, do you think God was harsh in the Old Testament? Stick around. Get ready for the New Testament wrath. Do you think that God was too strict under the Old Testament law? Then get ready for the outpouring of wrath that is going to fall upon the head of everyone who rejects God's beloved Son. Just let this language and these words sink into your mind. Trampled underfoot, the Son of God terrific. Profaned the blood of the covenant. That's the precious blood of the Lamb of God. How sickening. Outraged the Spirit of grace. That's thumbing your nose at the Holy Spirit of the living God. It's abominable. Verse 30. For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge His people. Look how Hebrews joins these two quotes together. God is a God who takes vengeance. Every offense against him will receive its just recompense. He will absolutely make sure that everyone will get what is coming to them. But where is he going to begin? That's the other quote. With his people. And then verse 31 comes. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You and I need to know that the wrath of God is real. I've always read verse 31 as though it's talking to non Christians, talking to unbelievers. As if I, you know, in my mind I shake my head and I say, those poor unbelievers are going to fall into the hands of the living God. But Hebrews is actually talking to Christians here. Hey, Christian, it is a Fearful thing for you to fall into the hands of the living God. So this is the very first motivation for the weary Christian. When you're feeling tired, when you're thinking of giving up, you need a healthy reminder of God's wrath. One that will make your knees knock together and send shivers up your spine and get your heart pumping. Reminder that makes you sit up straight with eyes wide and mouth shut. If I turn my back on Jesus Christ, I will fall back into the hands of the living God. As Christians, we need to run our Christian race with a healthy amount of healthy fear. The fear that pushes us forward and doesn't let us fall back. We need to know that the wrath of God is very real. It's horrifyingly real. The second motivation for the weary Christian is knowing that the reward that God has promised is very real, wonderfully real. Verse 32. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. How could these Christians endure such hardship? They were sometimes publicly harassed. Some of them were thrown in prison. They had their property confiscated and their possessions taken away. And yet they did not give up or give in at that time. Why? What saw them through such difficult times? Just think of how you would feel if you were walking down the street in Streetsville and people knew that you were a Christian and they were laughing at you as you passed, harassing you, mocking your beliefs, swearing at you, even threatening to beat you up. How would you feel if a law was passed in Canadian Parliament outlawing Christianity and your pastor was thrown in jail or your spouse was thrown in jail? Or you were thrown in jail. How would you feel if your house was taken away from you because you were a Christian? Or your house was ransacked and your valuables stolen and the authorities just looked the other way because Christians don't deserve justice? What could possibly get you through such times of bitter persecution? It's the promise of God. Verse 34, they knew that God had promised them a better possession, a permanent possession, an eternal possession. So go ahead, mock me, laugh at me, swear at me. I've got a mansion in glory that outshines the sun. So go ahead, throw me in prison. I'm a free citizen of the heavenly Jerusalem. So go ahead, take away my house and steal all my stuff. I'm storing up treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Go ahead and even take my life because my soul is safely hid with Christ in God. It is the promise of the gospel, the promise of eternal life in heaven with our God and with our Savior Jesus Christ that keeps us going even through the hardest of times. The people that Hebrews is writing to have forgotten this promise and that's why they're weary. That's why they're thinking about giving up. That's why they're being tempted to go back to their old ways, to their old way of life in Judaism. And so Hebrews is writing this to remind them of what they've forgotten. There's a great reward in store. There is the greatest of all possible rewards eternal life. We are looking forward to what God himself, the faithful one who cannot lie, has promised. This is the help for the weary and downtrodden Christian to set your mind on the promise that God has promised in the gospel. The wrath of God is real. And the promise of God is real. The wrath of God is the biggest possible stick. But the promise of God is the juiciest possible carrot. When as a Christian you are feeling weary, <clears throat> meditate on the consequences of turning away from Christ. And How horrific it would be to fall underneath the wrath of God. You take a few moments to do that, and that will get you up and get you moving. Amen. But fear cannot be the only motivation. Otherwise, we will always be looking back over our shoulder. Instead, where do we look? We look forward, toward the pride, toward the promise, toward the reward. And that spurs us on upward and onward. I remember when I was a pastor in South Korea, one of the Koreans in our little congregation asked me a very good question. He said, as Christians, we shouldn't be motivated by fear, right? It should be love for God that motivates us. And I agreed with him that it, that it is love for God that is our only motivation in the Christian race. Now, however, I would answer that question a little differently. I'd say that love for God should be the primary motivation, the biggest motivation, yes, but there's also a place for healthy fear of God in pushing us forward. As Christians running our race, We should feel the heat of hell on our backs and the glory of heaven sunning our cheeks. This morning, am I despondent and melancholy? Feeling despair? Maybe do my sins overwhelm me? Well, maybe I need to set my heart on the promise of the gospel with this great reward. On the other hand, am I apathetic? maybe a little bit bored, too comfortable where I'm at, tempted to slide backwards. Well, maybe I need to consider the wrath of God and get a move on. In the Christian life, we need both the carrot and the stick. This is not the only place in Scripture where we see these things interacting. The carrot should come first, yes. The promise of God should be primary, and it should occupy our attention But we can never forget about the stick, the holy wrath of God poured out upon his enemies. All those who reject the gospel and turn their backs on Jesus Christ. So it is a help for the weary Christian to know that the wrath of God is real. And it is a help for the Christian to know that the reward of God is real. Keeps me going to know that there's a fire behind me and glory before me. But our third point this morning comes from verses 37 to 39. That we have to know what our that we have to know that our identity in Christ is real. Because the reward, it may seem so far off in the future that it doesn't mean much to me today. And the wrath of God may be real, but you know, can I take a little break and sit down for just a moment? It won't catch me yet, will it? when we think about what our identity is, when we dwell upon all that Christ has done for us, that keeps us going in the daily grind. Verse 37. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Here Hebrews is taking a quotation from the book of the prophet Habakkuk. This is the same quote that the apostle Paul used in the book of Romans as central to his presentation of the gospel. The righteous shall live by faith. But here Hebrews is using the same quote from Habakkuk in a slightly different way. The coming one is coming. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He will not delay. And on that day of days, there will be those who who shrink back from Christ because they are his enemies. They will be destroyed because God has no pleasure in them. And there will be those who preserve their souls by faith in Jesus Christ. But look how Hebrews puts it in verse 39. He confidently... Puts himself and his readers in that second group. This is who we are. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But rather, we are of those who have faith and preserve their souls by that faith. And so if we read between the lines here, Hebrews is saying that we should be confident in our identity as believers in Jesus Christ. We don't dither between these two options. No, we know who we are in Christ. Hebrews has warned us of the consequence of falling away to motivate us not to give up. But here, he affirms who we are. We are believers. We don't shrink back. We don't fall away. We don't give up. No, the coming one is coming. He will not delay. We live in the light of his coming. We walk the Christian life in the sure knowledge of his return. We know who we are. When we become weary, when we think about giving up, it's because we have momentarily forgotten who we are in Christ. And the help for our weariness in that moment is to remember. To remember who Christ is, first and foremost, and then immediately to remember what our identity in Christ is. Who we are in him. Yes, we must keep in mind the wrath of God, that he is a consuming fire, that it is a fearful thing to fall into his hands. But remembering who we are in Christ tells us of our heading, our direction. Mm -hmm. We are not shrinking back toward destruction. No, we are stepping forward by faith in Christ. With our eyes focused on God's promised reward, of eternal life. So, are you weary in your Christian walk? Ever feel like just giving up? Scripture gives us these helps, these reminders. First, remember that the wrath of God is real. <laughs> giving up means falling back under his judgment. <clears throat> Meditation on God's wrath ought to smarten us up. And spur us on. Mm-hmm. Second, remember that the reward God has promised is real. We are on our way to the celestial city. God has promised eternal life for those who believe in Jesus Christ. Set your mind on the glory of heaven, and that will put a spring in your Christian step, and a gleam in your Christian eye. When your heart is set on heaven, they can spit on you, they can throw you in prison, They can take away your house and steal your possessions. You you can endure these hardships in this life. And your heart is set on heaven because you know that something better is coming. And third, remember that your identity is real. Your identity in Christ by faith. If you're weary and downtrodden in your Christian walk, it is probably because you have forgotten, maybe just for a moment, But you have forgotten who Christ is and who you are in Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let anyone snatch his sheep from his hand. In Christ, you have been redeemed, your sin atoned for. In Christ, you have been justified in the sight of God. In Christ, you have been adopted into God's family, and so you are a co-heir with Christ of all God's inheritance. And in Christ you are being sanctified into His image by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. And in Christ, one beautiful day, you shall be glorified to be like Him. Let us pray. Father God, as believers in Christ, who must continue to live in this fallen and broken world and continue to struggle against our own fallenness and our own brokenness in the flesh that battles against the spirit dwelling within us. Father, sometimes it can feel like too much. Sometimes we can feel weary and burdened and downtrodden. Sometimes we may even be tempted to To look back over our shoulder at our old way of life. Remember how easy and carefree and happy we were then. But Father, we thank you for your word that reminds us of these great truths. That that helps us in our weariness, Father. That your wrath is real. That your reward is real. Identity in Christ Jesus is also real. So Father, I pray that you'd help me in my own weariness. I pray that you'd help each one here who is weary in their Christian walk. And may we not look to self-help books or to uh, the things that, that comfort us in this life, but let us rather look to Scripture and to your Word. And let these helps that Scripture has given us Let these be the things that motivate us and push us forward. Wherever we might find ourselves in our lives. We're dealing with sickness and pain, Father. Let us focus upon the reward that you've promised. Father, if we're falling into temptation or we're apathetic in our walk, Father, give us a healthy glimpse of your wrath. So that, Father, we would be Servants who are pleasing in your sight, that we would bring you honor and glory, that we would live for you and not for ourselves. Father, as we leave this place, I pray that you would help us to ultimately rest in your grace, that, that without your hand working upon us, we cannot even take one step forward. But let us be encouraged, Father, by your word. And let us be encouraged to rest in you at every moment. But Father, never let us forget or turn away from your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.